for our diving Hope comes and stops us in our tracks Bravely we prove in our striving Trudging together each day Hi, everybody, and welcome to Raw Recovery with Dion Miller. Uh, today, I have on a special guest, uh, Josh from Thornton Night. I met Josh through uh, some Zoom meetings, and uh, a good friend of mine, Sarah Hornbuckle, uh, whom I work with. Um, and he and I just hit it off real well. We haven't been able to talk too much, um, so I'm really looking forward to getting to know you here, Josh. Um, but welcome. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Raw Recovery. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. I appreciate you taking your time. Um, so, um, yeah, let's go ahead and get started. Um, I'm going to go ahead and open it up for you and kind of let you uh, get started on telling your story. Thank you again. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And uh, so I'm going to start off, you know, my name is Joshua and I'm an alcoholic. and hey, an addict. Josh. And I'm fucking excited to be here to be clean and sober. You know, it is awesome. a beautiful day to be mm -hmm. clean and sober. And I'll tell you why this program does work if you work it. And here's how. If I'm honest, open-minded, and willing. And uh, that's mm -hmm. how simple this program is. But how complicated I made it has been absolutely ridiculous. Yep. You know, so um, I'm very lucky to be here today. And so I'm just going to start off um, by saying, you know, uh, today I do have, um, a little over five years of sobriety. Wow. Uh, it is five years and eight months. Uh, oh, my God. sobriety date is August 7th of 2014. Um, so that's a little over 2000 days right now, yeah. which is absolutely amazing, you know, because, uh, uh -huh. I'll jump into the, you know, a little bit of backstory and everything, but you know, for me to be able to say that today, that, that number right there is just it's something to really to be proud of. Um, it is. And you should be proud of it, man. You yeah. should care. Yeah. Hell yeah. Great yeah. fucking job. Yeah. Thank you. So um, I like to start off with a little bit of uh, about going back in my background, um, where it all kind of, you know, began. Okay. Um, when I was, um, when things started really changing in my life, um, I was about nine years old. So I grew up um a pastor's kid my parents were pastors okay um and so you know my my father was you know preaching you know love patience tolerance kindness forgiveness at the pulpit and um my father was dealing with his own demons at that time and uh my parents um had separated um because of uh what my father chose to do okay and uh so that was really difficult on me being the oldest of three okay, um, and being, you know, watching my mom go through that and just, you know, I'm not going to go into details. I'm not here to, you know, air out, you know, my father's sure. dirty laundry. You know Certainly. what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it was, it was, it was dark times um, for me. You know, the way that I was disciplined, I didn't believe that, you know, I should have been disciplined that way, but you know, anybody at that time would have felt the same way. Yeah. Um, you know, they did put in laws that, probably would have stopped some of the things, you know, sure. from happening. 
as they, as they did. But, you know, let's just say it was, it was not easy for me growing up. Okay. Um, so because of that, um, situation, um, you know, I, being a pastor's kid, you know, I, I know how to party (laughs) (laughs) Um, because it was, it was nature to, you know, want to rebel, you know, when it came to anything. Certainly. And so, you know, I started hanging out, uh, around the wrong crowd. Um, my friends, they started dealing with, you know, like smoking pot and drinking at a very young age. And, um, I told them no for a while. Okay. Uh, eventually, you know, age 11. Okay. And when I finally said yes, you know, and, uh, the first time I drank, I drank a 40 ounce of mad dog and, um, I hit a three foot bong at that time. Yeah. Wow. And so, you know, I, I just, you know, I double dosed at that time and yeah. I was absolutely blitzed and I got sick from it, but you know, just the euphoric high that I got from it was just absolutely mind blowing. Yep. And, um, I'm not here to glorify it at all. Nope. Um, I just want to make a point of it, but you know, Mm -hmm. at that time it was just like, it was something that gave me release for the first time that I was like, all right, this is is going to be an answer Mm -hmm. that I had. Um, so I started, you know, I, I dabbled with it. I kind of really got into it. Um, and then by the age of 13, um, I wanted something more. Okay. Um, So I actually took heroin, um, because I had a friend's dad that sold the stuff okay um and uh he showed me how to use it and um that was uh something that was uh, life-changing for me at that moment and i didn't realize it okay um because you know i was instantly hooked you know it was it was that that finally that euphoric high that i was looking for mm-hmm. that, that, yeah. that instant instant numb that instant gratification that i was yep. constantly looking for Inst- yep you hit it right and, on you know, it. with the drinking on top of it you know it was just like uh, the life was you know kind of spiraling out of control so you know during high school you know i was going to a lot of parties and that kind of thing um you know i was um I was doing a lot of stupid things, you know, I was like jumping off of roofs and the swimming mm-hmm. pools, you know, I was always trying to show off because, you know, I love the limelight, the spotlight, whatever yeah. you want to call it, you know, so I was always the one that was doing the stupid things because I was the kid, you know, with the skateboard and, you know, always, uh, I, you know, I, I bit pavement, you know, so many times in my life, you know, I was <laughs> used to that kind of thing. So I was able to kind of show yeah, off a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Uh, well, you, uh, your dad toughened you up. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, um, but uh, there was one thing that I was dealing with at that time that a lot of people didn't know it about. Um, and that was, uh, depression. Okay. And I really didn't know how to deal with it. Um, so, uh, because of the drug use, um, two years later, actually, after starting using heroin, um, I did try to take my life, um, okay. at the age of 16, All right. um, you know, through a noose, um, and the rope broke on me. And it was very humiliating because, you know, I was just like, I was, cause I was at that point of where I was so finished with life in general, okay. you know, like this was my only solution and I failed at that. And you felt like you were failing at everything. Exactly. So I was just completely, completely lost, um, with life and I didn't know what to do. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I wanted to join the 27 club if I was going to make it that long. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, so I really didn't pay much attention, you know, when it came to school. Um, I kind of really half-assed it and, you know, kind of got through by the skin of my teeth. You know, I was selling dope, you know, and that mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know, messing around and so on and so forth. And um, that got me by. Um, and then I tried to drop out of high school my first senior year because I was trying to get away from the drugs and everything. Um, and I was going to get my GED, uh, but that didn't happen. You know, I kind of got down on myself and mm-hmm. I was like, stepped away a little bit for the drugs but the drinking was always there you know that was the okay thing to do because society was okay with it the entire Mm -hmm. time Mm -hmm. um and nobody thought that i had a real bad issue i was able to keep doing it and um so um i finally got my high school diploma because i decided that you know i i I wanted to be better you know what i mean yeah i i I had you know my mom was a very wonderful person and, you know, she showed me a lot of good things in life. And so that sure. was like an inspiration to, you know, try to be a better person. And then, so I wanted to get the, the diploma because, you know, I first of all was uneducated yep. and for me to step in a workforce uneducated, it was difficult to climb a ladder and that kind of thing. But if I had a diploma, I was able to get better jobs and that kind of thing. Yep. So that's why I chose to do that. Okay. Um, but, you know, I started living life, drinking got super, super bad. You know, I was blacking out a lot of the time. It was, you know, waking up in random places, rooftops, mm-hmm. you know, people's cars, fields. Um, I, I mean, random beds, you know, so on and so forth. You know, yeah. the more it kept getting. And, you know, because of the fact I was of age at this time, you know, I was able to go out and hit the bars and party and that kind of thing. So okay, um, that was that lifestyle that I wanted to live. And, uh, 4th of July, 2002 came around. I was involved in a car accident. Um, me and my buddy, we were drinking and, um, we were going to a party up in Longmont or something like that. I don't even really remember. I just, I vaguely remember getting into the car and that's all I remember. Next thing I know, I'm waking up in the hospital. Yeah. Um, and my buddy was, uh, he was DOA. Um, wow. he, to get graphic here for warning, um, he ripped open his diaphragm and pushed his intestines up into his lungs. Oh my God. And, um, was actually revived at the hospital. And, um, wow. we were trying to pull a UE on a dirt road somewhere in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, the lady hit us. She was going 75 miles an hour, hit us in the front corner panel. Okay. And um, so for the 4th of July, uh, I spent that year in the hospital. Okay. And I watched fireworks from that window. Okay. Um, Following that year, um, shortly after that time, uh, I was arrested with possession of cocaine. Okay. Uh, And that's when I received my felony charge. Um, I was, I had to do two years probation community service, you know, the works. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 4th of July, 2003 came along. And um, that's when um, I was sick for a week and I couldn't eat or drink anything. Nothing would stay in my system. Okay. And so I was like, ah, I got to go to the doctor. Uh, <laughs> something's not right. Yep. And um, 
So then I go to my family doctor and doctor takes a look at me and he was like, you know, I don't even have the tools to be able to figure out what's wrong with you. Yeah. Like I recommend going over to the university because of your situation right now. Um, you don't really have the money or the income to be able to take care of you, but the university could be able to take care of you. Okay. So I went down to the university of hospital, Colorado. And, um, within a week I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. Okay. And vanishing bile duct syndrome. Okay. Vanishing bile duct syndrome is an extremely rare liver disease. All right. Yeah, I was going to ask because I don't think a lot of people know what that one is. Yeah. Um, I was, my liver was completely shutting down and I was actually yellow as a Simpson. Yep. Um, that's how jaundice I was. And that's mm -hmm. how severe everything was. And because of the severity, um, the doctors gave me three months to live. Yeah. Now, real quick, I, and you know, because I, I, I got to ask, was that, it, it was that a disease that kind of follows in the family or is that, or is that done through the drinking and the drugging? Or so it it, both? there's a mixture of stuff that happened, you know, okay. because basically what, it, so the vanishing biotic syndrome, a lot of doctors don't know. That's why it's a syndrome. Okay. Um, I actually, at the time, only 15 people have been diagnosed with it. Wow. And, um, after the cancer bout, you know, because I'm actually here sharing my story. Yes. Um, so everybody knows I defeated it. Um, I'm actually the only the only survivor of that. Wow. So it's so actually you're a you, fucking walking miracle, dude. Walking, absolute walking miracle. I kid you not. Wow. And I think that's fucking cool. I thank my higher power um, because it was my faith that was able to get me through that. Yeah. And it was such a dark time of my life, but everything was so going badly for me. This was my finally my out. Because I was dealing with the depression so badly. Uh-huh. I was finally, was like, finally, this is it. This is my way out. This yeah. is my life. It's done. And my faith knew better. Well, I knew I could make it through if I believed. Yep. And uh, then after I got past that three-month mark, I tried to kill myself again. Okay. Um, Because I, I was on any type of medication that I wanted. Yeah. And being the drug user that I was, um, I had like liquid morphine and oxy and, you uh -huh. know, anything that I asked for, it was given to me without yeah. question. Yeah. And so I took as much of it as I could. Yeah. And I did it at my church. So, so that my mom would have somebody to comfort her. Yeah. When they found me. Yeah. But I threw up the pills. My body wouldn't let me digest them. Mm -hmm. And so I had to take a hard look at my life and I was like, all right, okay, fine. What now then? Yeah. What's, what the fuck next? You know, what am I supposed to do? 11 months of treatment of, uh, 
radiation. Um, I actually got cool tattoos from it. <laughs> um, and like one of the coolest stories that I got from my whole cancer thing, um, besides the fact that I did survive it, was that um, there was a mass that was wrapped around my pulmonary artery that was three and a half inches by four inches. So about the size of your fist. Yeah. And um, the pulmonary artery, for those that don't know, are uh, it's one of the main valves to your heart. Yes. Um, <laughs> and the radiation shrunk down the, um, the mass enough to where they were able to go in. They wanted to biopsy it. Okay. And it was to a size that they finally they were comfortable with it. Okay. Um, because the surgery with it was very dangerous because if the mass weighed too much, it could have collapsed my lungs and they yeah. wouldn't have been able to wake me up in enough time to have my lungs, you know, pop back open. Yeah. Yeah. So um those were the chances. But um I I I looked at the doctor and uh I, I asked him, I was like, is this going to leave a scar? And he kind of laughed at me. <laughs> and he was like, why? <laughs> and I was like, because chicks dig scars, bro. Yeah. <laughs> he, he just started cracking up laughing. He was like, what are you, he was like, where are you getting that? I was like, you know, just imagine, you know, a battle scar across your chest. He yeah. was like, I went to war, I fought cancer, and I defeated it. And here's, here's you know, here's my scar. My scar. Yep. You know what I mean? And uh, so, you know, after he stopped laughing, uh, he looks at me and he was like, yeah, usually a procedure like this, it's very small. Um, you know, we make this very small insertion, so there, there's no scar. Um, and I was like, oh, man. Yeah. So I was bummed out, right? Yeah. By the whole thing. And uh, when hey, I went... Oh, look, here's a thousand bucks. Could you make <laughs> one? You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, when, I, when I was waking up from surgery... Um, he he was standing there next to me, and uh, he gave me a fist pump and everything. I was like, yeah. I was like, all right, we made it through the surgery. And he was like, no. He was like, bro, I left you a scar. Yeah. I was nice. like, oh, dude, you're the awesome. <laughs> you know? So it's a one-inch scar. He didn't mutilate me or anything. You know, I, yeah. I, I'm going to get that right. But, you know, there there's enough there to remind me of, you know, yeah. the situation that had happened. Yeah. So um, after, you know, that had happened to me in my life. Uh, I wasn't sure what to do. So I decided what every other human being does at, you know, 23 years old is get married. Yeah. Um, you know, because like, that's the next step in life, I guess. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, uh, so I was, I was with a lady that was older than me. Um, and we were both, <laughs> well, I can't say for her, um, because, you know, we don't speak about that. Yeah. Um, they got to make that decision on their own. Uh, but right. I was definitely, you know, still raging alcoholic at this time. Okay. Um, there, there was a lot of violence that happened. Uh, I never laid my hands on her, so I want to get that right. Okay. Um, but uh, there were a lot of holes in the wall and, you know, yeah. police contact and, sure. you know, that whole, the whole jazz. Um a lot of drunken nights and I'm, I'm just talking about like stupid drunk and, you mm -hmm. know, we didn't have money to pay for rent. So we're moving from one place to the next, you know, because we're spending all our money either gambling or, you know, drinking. Okay. Um, and that was the, you know, an all day 24 seven type thing mm -hmm. at this time. Um, and that lasted for about, um, I was in that relationship for nine years. 
um, and the judge actually signed the divorce papers uh, a year uh, on our anniversary. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so I thought was, on my birthday, I get it. <laughs> yeah. So I thought it was kind of funny that, you know, that it happened. Um, but, you know, with this whole depression thing that, you know, I never had treated, you know, I wasn't going to therapy and all that bullshit. Uh-huh. Like, and I it's worse. You know what I mean? So it's just building yep. up at this time. And so then I go in the spiral downward and it's just getting dark, 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 dark. And uh, I'm drinking like, you know, a fish. And uh, I'm swimming in, you know, just nonstop alcohol and the drug use is there, and, you know, it's extreme moments. And um, it's, it, it was, it was real difficult. Um, but I kept waking up the next day and I was just mm-hmm. like, well, I want to kill myself right now. So I'm going to numb that away. And let's just kind of get through the day as much as I possibly can and figure out what's going to go on. Um, it got to the point where I wasn't working and, you know, I was actually living in my sister's garage. Um, and the pressure was uh, so bad that um, I was just throwing up like trash in the corner. Okay. Um, and like I'm, I'm living in there with a field mouse. I called him Nibbles. Uh-uh. You could hear him at night, you know, when he was trying to eat, you know, yep. I'm not sleeping at night, you know, because of drug use and alcohol and insomnia and everything else. And um, then they kind of finally had enough of me mm-hmm. um, to where, you know, I got kicked out. And I found I was doing a lot of kind of couch surfing in a way. Um, then I had a friend that was going to let me stay with him. And there I ended up meeting. Uh, I got into a relationship with this girl that I worked with. Okay. And um, I was definitely still an extreme alcoholic and she was able to keep up. And from there, it got real bad um, to where, because we were fighting, and it was a lot of fist, physical fist fights. Yeah. Uh, where she would, you know, she broke my nose like three different times. And, you know, I bled all over the place. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, my buddy's trying to introduce me to AA at this time, um, because he got sober and he was letting me stay at his house just as long as I didn't drink at the house. Okay. I was hiding it from him, you know, and I was coming back, you know, we were both drunk, you know, we'd just get in a huge fight and, you know, wake up in the morning, pretend like none of it ever happened and just repeat it. You know what I mean? And this, this went on for a very long time until we finally got into this huge fight of where I finally left. And, uh, I'm down off of Wadsworth and Jewel. And for anybody that knows Colorado, um, Wadsworth and Jewel, I walked all the way up to Colfax and Wadsworth. Okay. And, um, That's a hike. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, and then all of a sudden I had this guy come out of nowhere, a guy that I knew um, that I did some work with. You know, we did some painting jobs and whatnot. Okay. Um, I knew who he was and, you know, he's been in and out of jail doing this and that, so on and so forth. So I knew he was trouble. But um, he was like, you know, come with me and we'll find a place to live. Yeah. And so I went with him and, Um, he pulled out a glass pipe and 
loaded it with crystal methamphetamine, passed it around. Yep. And I didn't even think twice about it. Um, and uh, there, because um, my imagination is very extreme, because I am a lefty, just to okay. let people know. So I'm, you know, the only one in my right mind. Unless you're a lefty. <laughs> right. But, you know, so I, imagination is definitely there, you know, because we're kind of known to be, you know, creative and that kind of stuff. But um, it's always been a passion to be imaginative of mine. Um, and I disappeared for, I don't know, three, five days, something like that. I don't, I don't even remember. I don't even know. But uh, I do remember like it was yesterday um, because that was the start of my journey. Okay. And um, I was in Aurora. I ended up in Aurora. And uh, from I left the Mississippi area. Um, I left that house because we were, I, the paranoia got to the point of where I thought the police were after me. Okay. Um, and then I was at a sting operation uh. and my buddy was trying to get me to buy more of it. And if I would have bought more of it, I would have been part of the whole sting operation. And I would have went to jail. Yeah. So my brain shut off like that and was trying to avoid jail. Yep. And so I did what I thought I could, you know, being twacked out of my brain. And I, I figured that if I just stayed on the sidewalk, the police would leave me alone um, <laughs> because I'm in a public place. And, you know, just as long as I followed every detail of the law as possible, yeah. you know, cross when the guy says cross and, you know, that kind of thing, I'd be able yeah. to make my way back home. So from Aurora, uh, I try to walk to Lakewood. And there's a lot of things that are going on, like the news are there, like they're doing a whole news story about me walking. Yeah. Um, the police are trying to get me. There's cars that are going around. They're taking these photographs, trying to get, you know, where I'm actually at. And like paranoia to the utmost absolute extreme yep. is there. Um, I'm at university in Colorado, um, our university in uh, Alameda. And I'm pulling up my shirt and pulling my pants down and screaming at the top of my lungs saying that I don't have a gun on me. Um, because at this point in time, the police think that I have a gun. Yeah. Um, and I'm still walking. There was a burrito guy that was trying to get me to stop. There's people on bicycles that are trying to get me to stop. Trying and to I help wouldn't you. Stop. Yeah, I just wouldn't stop. I was like, no, I, I got to get to my destination. So I'm walking, walking. And uh, I get, you know, past downtown. And I was going to take federal all of a sudden north because I decided that I wanted to get up to Thornton where my hood is at, you know, where I grew up. And um, so I'm, I'm down there and I was like, yeah, you know, I, I could definitely do this. You know, I already walked from Aurora. I was like, you know, what's yeah. another, you know, I'm like, I'm all twacked out and um there are so many bad things that happened sure during that that time and um i ended up making it to thornton and i turned away um 
my first day, because at this point in time, Facebook already knows that I'm missing. My mom put out yeah. a notification to the family, look out for me because nobody's sure. seen or heard from me. Yeah. And uh, so my aunt drives by um, and she saw me and she tried to get me to eat and I couldn't eat because I thought that it was uh, chemically induced to, you know, have me pass out and they would yeah. have me trapped and I would go to jail. Yeah. More paranoia. Yep. And so I denied that, but I did take the water because that was the first time that I had any type of liquid or anything that was in my system for the past, you know, I don't week now. I don't even know how long that this journey has been going on, how many days it's been happening. Um, but I, you know, had definitely disappeared for a long time. Um, and so by the end of the journey, you know, I ended up, uh, cause my uncle was a sheriff and I decided to talk to him because he would be able to keep me out of jail. You know, that was my whole, you know, idea okay. behind it. So I eventually talked to him, you know, he brought me to the house and got me into the shower, changed. And, um, you know, I had to do something, you know, because like I'm already coming down from this and, mm -hmm. I didn't want, you know, certain members of my family to see me like that. And, uh, you know, especially my mom. And uh, it, it ended up being uh, to where he had to take me to the hospital because my feet were destroyed during this walk. Okay. Um, and so I had to have, you know, medication, you know, I had to have things, you know, repaired and that kind of stuff. So go to the hospital and, you know, my paranoia is still there. There's like people that are in the room next to me that are telling me where the cocaine's at, that my ma, who is a straight edge person, uh, put in my food to keep me from coming down from the high. Okay. And uh, if, you, if you met my ma, you would, you'd be yeah. dying laughing at this moment right oh, now, God. you know? So it's just like, um, and then I finally had a doctor come in and, uh, you know, they're putting lotion and stuff on my feet. I mean, I had sores on my feet that, you know, were just absolutely huge and swollen um, and asked me if I wanted help. And for the first time I said, yes, well, yeah. not really, because I tried AA a few times, Okay. you know, and I go to the room, get my 24 hour chip and then I'd leave and I drink and I'd repeat. Mm -hmm. um, so I did that for a little while. Uh, but, you know, I, I was trying to take it serious, you know, because I, after this had happened, I was like, are you kidding me? You know, I just walked from freaking Aurora to Denver to, you know, Thornton. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I was like, I got to do something. So uh, I went to rehab, started off in rehab uh, in a wheelchair, went from a wheelchair um, to walker to crutches to be able to walk on my own. The time that I spent there, yeah. uh, good old pines, whisk pines. <laughs> <laughs> you know um and you know in there you know because they could do meetings and that kind of thing and mm -hmm. you know i was going through you know they gave me all the medication that i needed you know to be able to get through my withdrawals and stuff like that you know because the, the alcohol was really bad you know because like i was shaking and you know going through dts and you know, that yep. kind of stuff. And so there's a lot of medication that they had to put me on to, you know, so my body wouldn't go into complete shock. And, yeah, so it wouldn't shut down on you. Yep. Yeah. So um, there was a lot of, you know, in the beginning of that rehab, uh, it was a lot of people watching me. Um, there's very few family at this moment of my life that was there. Uh, that girl that was in that relationship with me showed up at rehab every single day. Okay. Um, 
other family members did not. So she was kind of there for me at a moment that I needed. And um, so I decided to kind of go that route after rehab, uh, which led me to homelessness. Okay. Um, because I didn't know where to go. Yeah. And um, after rehab came the drinking again. Yep. And I was even drinking on the abuse that, you know, they gave me to stop me from drinking, which is yep. not fun to do. And I do not recommend because it is nope. poison. Yeah. It basically, it turns alcohol into poison yeah. in your body. But, you know, yeah. the amount of shit that I put into my body throughout the years, I didn't care. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? So I was just like, whatever, you know, it, this is what it is. And um, then my life completely changed again because um, I was absolutely completely plastered out of my brain, got into a huge fight with this girl again, got in my car. And right at I-70 and Federal, mm -hmm. I tried to take the ramp that was going uh, eastbound while I was traveling westbound, yeah. meaning I was driving towards oncoming traffic. On the highway. On the highway. Um, I didn't make it all the way to the end of the on-ramp because uh, a truck stopped me, um, backed up my car like three different times, I think. I mean, this is what I remember uh, from the situation. It's all, you know, splurts here and there. Um, but then finally, I got pulled out of my car by, uh, I guess, the panhandler that was okay. on the corner. I don't, I don't even know. Somebody pulled me out of, a, out of my car yeah. uh, because I had plastic windows at this time because of anger issues. Yeah. And, you know, it was cold. We live in Colorado. Um, so, you know, I had to have something up. So, you know, plastic yeah. was my window. Um, so he ripped me through that and, you know, I went back to the motel six that's right there behind, uh, Dino's, I think yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I let the, the girlfriend know what had happened. She told me to go back. Maybe my car was still there. And <laughs> I was like, that's a great idea, you know, and I'm bloody, <laughs> I'm covered in blood, you know, because like I got jacked up, you know, yeah. from that. You know, and I got all scraped up from getting thrown out of my car and, you know, blood's, you know, just gushing down my knee and everything. I have no clue what's going on. I'm absolutely plastered. I'm, I don't even know. Uh, but I'm moving and um, police were there. Denver police, good old Denver police. Um, <laughs> they were there. Uh, I was in handcuffs immediately. Um, they flew me down to Denver scares because I refused everything. Yeah. Um, according, according to them. And, um, I'm not saying that I didn't, but you know, I do remember that the police officer didn't put the seatbelt on me and I was yelling at him while being drunk <laughs> in the back of the cop car, click it or ticket officer, click it or ticket. Yeah. Cause I know, but I'm look at you. You're not doing it right either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's so, you know, humanity, dude. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, so then they end, they end up drawing my blood. And, um, so, you know, I go to jail immediately. Um, and one surprising person was there, you know, once I finally got to see the judge, um, you know, to say what I was actually being charged with and so on and so forth, uh, you know, what the next steps were. Yeah. Um, my father was actually in the courtroom and it really surprised me, you know, because okay. – father and I really haven't had a good relationship. You know, there's a lot of drunkenly calls and, 
sure. we fought a lot, you know, we butt heads throughout this entire thing, you know, because once again, you know, he was dealing with his demons and I didn't always agree with everything that was going on. Um, but, uh, so it was a real shock, uh, to see him. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, so then somebody knew that, you know, I'm in jail, you know, because like, as far as I know, nobody knows where I'm at, <laughs> you know what I mean? So they, they knew I was in jail. Um, so I did that and, you know, eventually standing in, uh, in front of the judge, they let me out with a PR bond. Okay. Uh, lucky. Um, yeah. I got lucky, absolutely yeah. lucky with that. Um, and, uh, when I stood in front of the judge and, you know, he was giving me my complete sentence, um, you know, he was like, I see that, you know, you have a record with us. You know, this is not the first time that, you know, you stood in front of a judge and had to do this type of thing. Um, but I'm going to try to throw the book at you and try to save your life here, son. Mm -hmm. And um, after everything that I'd already been through in freaking life, you know, like this is this is the moment right now. And it was like, now, am I going to do something about it or am I not? Yeah. Um, but I was uh, in the beginning, uh, AA was recommended to me. And because sure. I knew about it. Um, you know, that was something that I definitely wanted to do, but, um, you know, from jail, uh, I had to do, cause it was two years of probation. Uh, I did 90 days of jail. Um, I was, uh, from jail, I was shackled and yep. brought immediately to probation where they mm -hmm. threw an ankle monitor on where they gave me two hours. They gave me this big box and gave me two hours to get home. Yep. Um, and I was homeless at that time, so I didn't have a place to go. Uh, my aunt was gracious enough to let me stay. Uh, you know, I, I finally got that one last chance. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because everybody else had, you know, I felt like had given up on me and I'd given them a good reason too. Um, so I'm doing the first 30 days of my sobriety. I did it on my own. Okay. Uh, it was a dark room. Netflix in my ears, you know, because yeah. I had access to the internet and that kind of thing. And I wasn't allowed to leave the house. Yeah. You know, I'm strapped down. I wasn't even allowed, supposed to go outside. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the funny thing was, you know, my aunt was like, I'll cover for you. She was like, if your probation officer comes, you know, I'll tell him you're in the bathroom. If you're outside, you know, having a cigarette in the backyard or, you know, whatever yeah. the case may be, you know, because she's just trying to, you know, let me have some type of normalcy. Yeah, you have free some freedom. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, you know, because she realized that, you know, because she saw a look in my eye that, you know, I was kind of hungry for something, but, you know, yeah. it was unsure of what exactly I wanted. Um, so through talking to her, you know, I eventually was like, you know, I got, I got to do something. You know, I can't do this. You know, this is miserable. I'm absolutely freaking miserable. Yeah. Um, and then I stepped into the room of AA the very first time. Uh, that changed my life. Yeah. Um, and... It wasn't the first time, like I said, you know, I did it before. Sure. Um, but it was the first time since the last time I've had a drink. Yeah. Good. Um, I like that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, first time I walk in, it's a biker meeting. You know, these are rough and tough people. And, you know, these are these are boys <laughs> that, you know, I, I've kind of grown up with. And I saw, you know, I'm not scared, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a scrawny kid and everything yeah. like that. So it. it doesn't really look like I fit in with the crowd. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you know, I got a, I got a mouth on me. I've definitely calmed down. I think I said, fuck, I don't know, maybe a handful of times through this, yeah. <laughs> you know, session right now. But, um, it, they told me in the beginning to sit down, shut up, 
yeah. and left it. You know, because I had no clue what I was doing. And that rubbed me, you know, the wrong way because I was like, wait a minute. I was like, my ego here, you know, showed up in this room, you know, two months before I even walked into this room. Yeah, don't you, you know, know who I am? Do you know what streets I used to rent? You know the people, you know what I mean? You know what I, I'm, I'm talking about? So um, it was this power trip, you know, that I'm on, but, you know, I, there were rules that I had to follow and yeah. I wanted to give it a shot. So, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm peeing in a cup, you know, three times a week, I'm taking two random breathalyzers as well a week, you know, so that's five visits, you know, a week that are random quote, unquote. Um, and so I'm being constantly monitored and, you know, because I know ways, you know, I'm criminal. Yeah. I know ways of getting that stuff clean. There are ways of getting it clean. And I knew that, but I am not that person. I didn't want to do that. I wanted yeah. to do it right. So I did it right. And, um, things started changing in my life, uh, slowly, but surely, um, you know, I, I would sit there and I'd reflect on, because in the beginning I had to learn things like acceptance, um, you know, because my life was about to change and I had to accept everything. You know, I had to be, stop being the, you know, the director and the, you know, the, the lead actor and the lights yeah. and the, you know, the camera and everything else. I had to, I had to stop doing all that. I had to focus on what I was going to do. So, um, sat down and I got myself a sponsor because that's what they told me to do. Yep. Um, and the guy that I chose, uh, didn't even have a year yet. Um, but he'd been in the program for about, I don't know, five years or something. If I remember correctly, uh, forgive me if I, you know, state any misfacts here. Uh, but, uh, we worked together. We worked the book together. I bullshitted my way through the steps because it was easy for me to do. Yeah. Um, because the guy was smaller than me and, you know, I wasn't afraid of him. And <laughs> I've been a bullshitter for a long time in my life. So I was able to kind of, you know, squeak my way through because I figured that, you know, because my thoughts in the beginning were, you know, if I learned enough of what I could from the program, I'd be able to get that and I'd be able to be a normal drinker. Yes. <laughs> Uh, you know that it's hilarious you know i laugh at that now because these are my thoughts in the beginning of the program um and they're definitely not those thoughts anymore and the funny thing is those thoughts to us are normal yeah yeah exactly exactly that's and you know it, yeah and, and and exactly and that that's what it was and then all of a sudden you know they told me that i'm gonna have to change everything mm -hmm. i was like what do you mean everything and i was like playground playmates freaking phone numbers if you have to you know do what it's going to take and because i had the opportunity to start scratch from scratch you know from fresh yep you know i had already been disconnected from the world for a hot minute at this moment yeah you know because of how badly everything had gotten um it was my opportunity to take that time yeah. Um, and I had a lot of free time on my hands. So yeah. I divulged myself in AA. I went to two meetings a day, you know, Sunday through Sunday, you know, the noon meeting and the five fucking 30, you know, yep. that I went to, um, because that's what I was told for me to do. You know, I was just, you know, a robot in a way, but the thing that appealed to me about AA is that in there, um, I was understood for the first time. Um, people spoke my language. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they were doing something. They were, you know, doing something called living life and they were doing it sober. 
And mm-hmm. that was just absolutely amazing to me. And I was like, wait a minute. I was like, how the frick do you guys do this? Are you yeah. kidding me right now? You know, this is amazing. So I kind of went, you know, to watch. And, uh, you know, after I hit, you know, once, once I hit my first year, my first full year, 365 days of sobriety, um, I was ecstatic, you know. It was such a good meeting, you know. They, they were so happy for me, you know. They they wrapped my chair that I sat in, you know, with like gift wrap, and they brought the mm-hmm. presents, and there was a cake, and you know, my ma came to the meeting, and you know, sister did, and brother-in-law, and um, you know, because they'd all been there to support me through this, you know, mm-hmm. journey that I'd been on, because this is what I chose to do, and you know, keep in mind I've been on probation, so in a way. I had a choice, but at the same time, I didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden, uh, probation, probation was coming to an end. And, and uh, I was getting scared. You know, I was just like, well, wait a minute. I was like, uh, what am I going to do now? You know, this, this entire time I've been under the thumb of the law. You know, they've been watching yep. every, every step of, you know, move I make right now. So, like, this is, this is going to be me. Mm-hmm. And um, for somebody that, you know, had to admit that they were afraid of that. Yeah. Was difficult to do. That was a hard freaking pill to swallow. You know, you know what? I think I think people can understand that now, though, yeah. where before and when we're going through it right now, you know, um, our days are being disrupted because of the coronavirus. So I think people can yeah. really understand. I get that. Yeah. Because, you know, I, you know. We we had to go through. I mean, what what do they call it? You know, where they, you know, essentially my time was determined for me all the time, and then yeah. all of a sudden you're not, and that mm-hmm. was pretty scary to be left to my own devices. Yeah, absolutely but, agree. It was, you know, and uh, just the funny topic since you brought up the coronavirus. You know, it's it's funny because you know I'm chilling here and I'm good. You know, right now. Yeah. But the funny thing is, you know, this is not the first time I've been locked up. But you know, (laughs) at least I could go outside, you know, in the backyard and you know have a cigarette whenever I choose to do now. This is yeah. This is the difference between uh, county and work release. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So you know, I I I had a lot of free time on my hand, and you know, so I I did a lot of focusing on you know the program, and the more I went, um, you know, the Mac kept better. It kept getting, you know. Um, I, you know, got a job and, you know, was working, you know, I was paying bills, you know, it was weird for me to do, um, cause I hadn't done that stuff in the past before, but, um, and then that, that probation, uh, because the only thing I had to do, I actually had three extensions on my probation, um, because, uh, I was too afraid to finish my community service. Okay. Uh, so that I could finish probation, but I had already yeah. completed everything else. The only thing that was stopping me was my community service. Okay. Um, and I had this lady in the meeting uh, talk to me and she was like, what are you so afraid of? I was like, well, everything right now. Are you kidding me? Yeah. You know, I was like, you know, like this is going to be me left to my own devices. I know who I am. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm going to now not be under the thumb of the law. Like my brain's yeah. going to start thinking differently again. And I really hope it doesn't start leaning towards like, Hey, it's going to be start to be okay. Hey, yeah. you know, you're really hurting right now. You know, it drink sounds really good right now. Or you know what I mean? And, um, she was like, how much time do you got? And I was like, well, I got, you know, a little over a year and you know, things like that. Um, she was like, 
um, she was like, well, you made it this far. She was like, you know, you made it past that 24-hour period. She was like, and then you made it past 72. And then it kept going. She was like, but then you keep focusing on a day at a time. She was like, because I could see that and I hear it, you know, in your shares and everything and seeing the work that you're doing. Yeah. Um, She was like, don't be afraid. You know, that's where that faith comes in. You know, she was like, are you going to trust in your higher power to, you know, help you through this? Or are you going to, you know, just try to do it on your own the entire time? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I had to trust, you know, my higher power, you know, because if I was going to do, you know, the steps and say that I did the steps, you know, it was like, I got to have a higher power that I believe in and I trust. I was going to, you know, completely let them guide the way, you know, through this. So that's what I had to do. So, you know, faith was, was real strong, you know, during that time. Um, and one of the glorious things that happened to me uh, in that first year um, is that I got the opportunity to take care of my uh, 96-year-old grandfather, mm. um, who I'll give you a short backstory on him, who uh, raised 11 children. Wow. Um, he fought in World War II for two or so years. Okay. Um, Came back here, became a mailman, retired. Um, and faith was very strong in his life. Okay. And uh, when I was, you know, getting sober after I couldn't stay at my aunt's anymore, after they let me off the uh, the bracelet, um, I had to move. So um, I had the opportunity of taking care of my grandfather, you know, mm-hmm. so that gave me a place to live if yeah. I did this. So. Um, you know, there was a lot of, you know, cleaning, yard work, housework, yeah. that kind of stuff, showers. Um, mm-hmm. And then there was one one moment of time of, you know, where I was talking to myself. And I was like, I literally did not sign up for this shit. As I am wiping, you know, the backside of my grandfather. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, you know, I, I'm just trying to stay sober here. But then it hit me of, yep. you know, during my time of meditation of where this man and after everything that he went through in life, yep. um, he needed help. Yep. And uh, I was able to help. I was able to be there to help. And mm-hmm. so I kind of understood the program of, you know, one person that needed help helping another person that needed help. Yep. And so I went out and I got myself a different sponsor and my grandfather passed away. Okay. And that was on one of the things that, you know, I wrote down that I I said was going to take me out, you know, during my sobriety. Yeah. It was like, you know, cause there was a list. I was like, if these things happen, you know, I didn't write it down or anything, but you know, these things happen, you know, I'm, I'm definitely, there's no way, but I was able to stay strong through it all. Um, because I watched people go through this before in their life yeah. and, uh, they kept going to meetings. That's what they did when their ass was falling off. They went to a meeting yeah. and, um, because, you know, I finally became honest, uh, with the whole program. Um, I sat down and I really did the steps and I put pen to paper this time around. Yep. Um, and I broke down my inventory and the columns. I mean, you know, like I had pages of yeah. that, you know. <laughs> that those some of those columns out there, you know, that that 
that sex inventory, you know what I mean? Yep. Like, oh my goodness, are you kidding me right now? You know, but like, cause I was sick and tired of being sick and tired, you know, I yeah. was sober, but I was still freaking miserable yeah. and I had to figure out why. And in order for me to do out why I had to sit down and I had to do the steps and I had to yeah. do them to the best of my ability and how willing I was to do them and how honest I was to do them. And I was going to be as honest as I was, and I broke down and I did them. And uh, I opened up so much. And then that opened up so many opportunities for me. Yeah. Um, because I'm, I, I'm noticing the time, so I know we're getting close. So okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of, you know, break it down a little bit. But um, when I hit two years, uh -huh. um, I didn't think I'd make it that far. Um, because, you know, I was just like, wait a minute. I was like, this is somebody that had lived their life doing this thing, you know, since yeah. the age of 11. And then all of a sudden I'm uh, two years completely sober and clean, you know, mm -hmm. and things like that. This is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. But guess what? I have years of sobriety and I'm going to pluralize that bitch and I'm going to ride that cloud. You know what I mean? I was like, because that's what I, I needed do. to do to get through at that time. But, you know, I... I kept going to meetings and, you know, I, I lived and breathed AA. I was, I was, you know, passing around coffee at meetings. I was doing, you know, everything that I could. I was volunteering for this, you know, we would go down and we would give, you know, uh, jackets and socks and clothes and stuff to the homeless, you know, a few times, you know, with groups and that kind of thing. You know what I mean? There was a lot of stuff that I could do to be mm -hmm. able to help somebody out, especially when my ass is falling out. Yep. And that's such an important message to me because I needed that kind of helped to get me through yeah. um, because, you know, I'm now dealing with this depression and now being medicated, yep. being treated for this stuff, you know, by, by a professional, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's supposed and, to and it's, so I'm, I, I, you know, and these are things that they're telling me to do. And then I'm learning so much about myself. You know, I'm writing this shit down on the wall because, you know, I figured out that, you know, if I don't want to be depressed, I got to love um, yep. because that's the opposite, you know, of it to me. And, um, so I had to figure out how to love. And, um, so I looked at the five languages of love because that seems to be the knowledge that's out there. Yep. Um, and so I looked into it and I figured out that, you know, my language of love is words of affirmation. Yeah. And so in order for me to actually truly love myself, I had to, um, write that shit down. Yeah. And I had to start reading it and seeing it and believing it um, because that's what's going to encourage me on a daily basis when I'm taking this program day by day by day. That's going to be refreshing, you know, because I forget shit all the time. And, you know, I want to sit there and, you know, in my dirty diaper, as they like to say, yeah. you know, I'm self-pity and wallow and everything. But, you know, if I'm seeing stuff like that, what the truth is, what I believe the truth is that is oh. about me, I'm speaking that into my life and it's going to help me along. Yeah. And uh, these are all things that, you know, were taught to me in the program. These are the tools that were shown to me. Yeah. Um, and uh, so then I ended up getting to a position of where I, I had a job as a carny and um, I was going around and it was the funnest thing in the world. I kid you, was, you know, because like you're setting up giant trampolines and, yeah. you know, you're launching children up into the air and, you know, giant bouncy castles and everything's completely safe and things like that. And, you know, it, it was so much fun being out in the sun, traveling all over Colorado. You know, sometimes we go out of state and that kind of thing. Um, so I was doing that part time, but, you know, I was getting a lot better as far as mental wise, because, you know, it was my stinking thinking in the beginning. And once I started fixing that thinking, um, you know, because it came to a point of time 
of my sobriety where I wasn't thinking about the drink anymore. Yeah. Um, I had to think about, you know, all of a sudden gifts that our sobriety is giving me. Yep. So I had to think about what I was going to do with life because I'm working on living a life that's worth living. Yeah. For the first time in my life, I'm yeah. working on a life that's worth living, <laughs> you know, with the attempted suicides and yeah. with the darkness and everything else that it's been going through, you know, um, it's, it's a goal to go for, you know, I don't know yeah. exactly everything that it looks for or l what it looks to or looks like, I should say, but I have a general idea. Sure. Um, you know, so I'm going to do certain things that's going to be able to help me through that. Yeah. Um, so, but like it, it's, where was I going with this? Um, when I first started getting sober, you know, all of a sudden I looked different, you know, I felt different. Yep. You know, I had to go through God's guidance and acceptance. And um, it was just, I had the opportunities. You know, all of a sudden I was a person of trust. Yeah. I wasn't that person anymore. Um, and I was starting to do the next right thing because that's what I chose to do. So all of a sudden I started having all these opportunities in life because I was sober. Mm -hmm. And I was starting to be able to go to meetings and I was able to, you know, do things on time and I was able to um, do things that I wasn't able to do before. And then I had uh, this one of my friends um, who reached out on Facebook um, and she was like, hey, we need hands at our at my job. You know, how how can is anybody else looking for work? And because I was only doing this carny thing part time, um, I was like, yeah, you know, I could use another job. I'm going to really you know, focus on here because I'm, mm -hmm. I'm trying to get a place, you know, of my own, you know, because like I, this is my goals that, you know, I'm trying to set up and, you know, sobriety yeah. and that kind of thing, you know, cause I'm coming from, you know, homelessness. And, um, so in order for me to be a responsible adult, I got to work Yeah. and I know what it's like to work hard. You know, I've done it my entire life. Um, it's just how much effort I'm going to actually put into it depends yeah. on, you know, the outcome. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? So, um, all of a sudden I got my foot through the door. Uh, at this place that was called Boo Boo, and uh, it's a it's a restaurant. It's a fast casual poke place. Um, okay. And I had worked at you know Coors Field uh, for like nine, ten, twelve seasons, something like that. You know, running okay. different things. So I had an idea of what I was doing, but I really didn't know what I was doing at the same time. Okay. Um, and the one thing that I didn't mention before. Um, is that I've always dealt with uh, an issue called food. Mm. And the okay. thing about food is that, you know, it came to me at an early age and I was able to hide it well um, because, at, you know, family events and that kind of thing, there'd be a lot of food and i kind of pick at it. You know, people would see me eat, but then I wouldn't really eat. And I try to keep my weight a certain weight to where people wouldn't notice enough, but then they did notice, you know, but then I was able to blame it on drug use and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, guess what? I'm not using yeah. drugs anymore. Yeah. So I have nothing else to freaking blame the weight loss on. Yeah. And, um, I had a beautiful opportunity to all of a sudden face a demon that I've been dealing with since I was a kid called food. Uh-huh. And I figured, I was like, well, maybe if I apply myself to this and I saw the opportunities that I could have as far as like growing 
as far sure. as, you know, different positions throughout the company that I could get. Sure. Um, and, you know, because like my first year that I worked there, um, cause I ended up quitting my carny job and I just focused my full time on that. And I stayed completely sober for that. And I was going to meetings every day and, um, I focused my time on my career okay. and, uh, I got promoted within three months that I worked there to key manager. Wow. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so that was like absolutely amazing because I'm like, wait a minute. It was like, you guys did do a background check on me, right? <laughs> you know everything that's going on, right? You realize I'm <laughs> totally unreliable. Wait a minute. Maybe I'm not. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then, you know, because all of a sudden I'm sober, I'm this different person. I'm just like, wait a minute. I'm like, this ain't who you are. Uh, I was like, but wait, you actually are this person now. Yeah, you, you know are. what I mean? And, uh, then I also, um, I, and I'm not sitting here and I'm not toot my own horn. Um, you know, these are just, I'm saying these are gifts from sobriety. Certainly. Um, I also won employee of the year. Wow. Um, and I hadn't even been there for an entire year. <laughs> I mean, I was out training people that had been with that company for, you know, two or three years or something like that. But Certainly. Was, a lot of it was because, you know, I was freaking sober and I was doing the next right thing and I wanted to yep. do something. And I was like, holy shit, I got a career that I could actually chance. Are you mm -hmm. kidding me? Management? I could be a manager? Like that's never happened in my entire life. And I could actually have sustainable income because that's mm -hmm. what I'm working for right now. Because everything else that I've done in the past, you know, with selling dope, which is illegal, you know, you yeah. can get in a lot of trouble, yeah. you know, things like that, you know what I mean? I was like, but I did work for, you know, jobs that I got paid, you know, money and, you know, government taxes and that kind of shit. But uh, now I was, I was actually working on this life that, you know, I wanted to live and I was dealing with this. And so, you know, I shot for the skies and I, I went and I, I went, focused my time to become a manager and I did. And uh, I learned all the tricks of the trade that I possibly could. And I stayed completely open-minded and honest about things. And, you know, I asked questions when I didn't know the answers to things. And, you know, and I'm speaking to chefs that have been in this kitchen, you know, in kitchens for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years or whatever the case may be. And uh -huh. these guys are teaching me some things that I was just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the, what I realized is that the more I dealt with it, the more comfortable I became with dealing with food yeah um because it was more of an understanding and i knew what was actually going into the food that i was eating yeah and, and um because of the fact that if you're a chef and you're not tasting your food you're putting out bad product which is a lot of people's opinion and okay. uh so you gotta taste it you know you, you gotta taste the stuff and if i'm not tasting the food I'm putting on bad product and I want to be yeah. really good at this. You know what I mean? Cause I was yeah. like, this is freaking exciting because this is actually something that I might actually be able to do. Yeah. And like, be good at it and enjoy you know, it. Like, yeah. I am in my thirties, late thirties. Uh, I'm actually 30. I think I'm 38. I might be 39 around there. <laughs> Double check with your mom. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I was born in 81. <laughs> so whoever wants to do the math on that, my birthday is in October. Um, but I, you know, I'm getting older with my life and I'm living a life that's wanting to live. And, um, you know, I got to do a career. And so like, I'm, I, I'm working towards this and, um, I'm beginning, you know, every opportunity that I'm given. And then all of a sudden I'm having opportunities of working with, you know, chef Troy guard mm -hmm. and kitchen and that kind of stuff. And I'm working, you know, side by side with him. And I'm just like, man, this is freaking crazy. And, um, that one location wasn't working the way that it wanted to. 
And I completely focused my entire time on that, um, which a few people know me. They saw me in the beginning, but I did step away from meetings for a minute. Um, and that was only because of the fact that, you know, I had to. Um, I didn't have to, but I wanted to focus my time on my career. And um, I really didn't know what I was doing. And I really was stressing out about that. And once you step into a kitchen, uh, yeah. there's a lot that's going on. Certainly. And, um, so I was trying to soak up all the knowledge that was possible because now I wanted to focus on what AA gave me. Yeah. Um, you know, because I'm staying sober. I was like, but just as long as I kept in contact, you know, with another person that was sober, you know, I kept doing, you know, 10, 11, 12. You know, the only thing that I wasn't doing was going to meetings and I really missed them. Yeah. Um, I really, really did. I'm not going to lie at all because, you know, I got, I got dark there for a minute, but I was white knuckling it is what they call. Yes. And, um, you know, now we're, uh, I've been able to prove myself at work, um, to where now, you know, I'm a, I'm considered a chef. Um, and I now cook for people, um, on a regular basis. Yeah. And the way that my higher power has been able to work with me in food has just been absolutely beautiful. And I thank the rooms. I thank everybody that was there before me, you know, that did everything because without any of this, none of this would be possible. Correct. You know, because it was such, life was such a struggle, such a freaking struggle for the longest time. And then all of a sudden it's not. Yeah. And it was because of hard work that I put in. I had to put this work in. I mean, this did not come easy. You know, there were times that I cut myself and, you know, I cut myself cutting an avocado and yeah. one of the chefs was like, I got to go tell the other chefs that he cut himself on an avocado, you know, cause they thought it was the funniest freaking thing in the world because that's, you know, rookie skills right there. You yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. I didn't go to culinary school for any of this. So, you know, I was just like, I, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I did at the same time. Yeah. And, um, so I, I just, I had to be open-minded about all this and, uh, I was able to do that. And now, you know, the gifts of my sobriety um, is that, you know, 2000 plus days later, yeah, um, you know, it brings me to a time of, you know, where we're now dealing with, you know, COVID and, you know, it shut everybody down and it shut everybody um, locked down into place. And, you know, a lot of people are dealing with depression. You know, there's people that are dying alone during this mm-hmm. and, there's just so much sadness that is going out there in the world. And the one thing that, you know, sobriety showed me is that I could actually live life and not only live life, but live a life worth living. Yeah. And I could do it completely sober. Mm -hmm. I could do it. I could believe in myself. I could do it because of the hard work. I had to look in the mirror and it was spoken to me in a meeting one time and it was asked, it was like, what, what are you looking at when you look into the mirror? I was like, what do you mean by that? They're like, are you looking at, um, you know, like past yourself yeah. or are you actually looking at yourself? And, you know, the moment that I finally realized that, you know, I was looking past myself and I wanted to look at myself was when the healing really began. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I forgave a lot of people that didn't deserve to be forgiven, but it wasn't for them as for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that are in this program. That's just an absolutely gift. 
And I'm absolutely grateful and blessed to be here, to be able to share everything that I've been through in life Mm -hmm. with you guys to be able to, you know, just, even if it's just hope for a minute, you know, because sometimes that's all we need is just that minute, you know, Mm -hmm. but if we make it through that minute and keep going, the day turns into 24 hours and it turns into 48 after that. Then we get to show other people how to survive that minute. Yeah. Pass on our hope. Exactly. Thank you very Thank you, Josh. I, that is a hard story to tell. And I appreciate you having the, the courage. Um, um, it's not easy for everybody to talk about, you know, their past and things that have gone on. So, um, I have a lot of people, I find people that come on and and share their time with me, have a lot of courage and that courage comes from God, you know, and I really like your story because it kind of, you know, it, it, you know, you you showed you could be you could be down in the dumps. You could eat with kings, um, but until the program stops being a me program and becomes a we program, it ain't gonna work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's yeah, absolutely. What I, that's what I got out of that. Um, the moment, I mean, the absolute moment you decided to make a change, it happened, and yeah. that's. That's exactly how AA and God works. Mm-hmm. So fantastic. Thank you very much for being on here. When, when this is all, all said and done, we'll find out where you're working so we can come, we can come, uh, you can come make me food. <laughs> yeah. I, it'd be my pleasure to be honest with you. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thank you everybody for, for being here, being a part of, if you'd like to tell your story, please reach on out to me. Uh, today we have had uh, Josh from Thornton, Colorado on. Um, thank you again, everybody, for being here. Uh, in the meantime, take care of yourselves. I love you all. Peace out and have a day.